It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watch it. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, James Rapine. Jake Lisko going to join us in segments two and three. It is great to be with you ahead of Sunday's week 13 matchup against the Miami Dolphins. Jake and I are going to dive into Sunday's game, the importance of it, what the Bengals need to do to pull off an upset. It's crazy. Cincinnati is 11 and a half point underdogs. Sunday in Miami. 11 and a half points. Not something we were expecting to see. We're not sure who's going to play quarterback for the Dolphins. Will it be Tua Tungavailoa? Will it be Ryan Fitzpatrick? We're going to dive into all of that. But really good news for Joe Burrow and some other injury news that we got to dive into here to start the show. So we'll do that and then we'll preview Sunday's matchup on today's podcast. The Bengals announced that Joe Burrow had successful knee surgery on Wednesday in Los Angeles. It's huge news for the 23-year-old rookie who obviously had to have a lot done to his knee. He tore his ACL, his MCL, and then a source told me that he also suffered damage to his PCL and meniscus. The initial timetable for Burrow's recovery is 9 to 12 months. It is good that he was able to have the surgery less than two weeks after suffering the knee injury, but... Now comes the recovery time, and the the hard part in Burrow Watch 2021 is officially underway, and, and there are going to be updates throughout the the off season and in how much he can do and what he can do. But this was the first step, and it's it's just it's really good news, and hopefully he can make the most of this and, and bounce back, and hopefully bounce back by week one of next year. But if not, that's okay, and I think that's the key here when it comes to Burrow, is the Bengals really need to be patient here. And not that they're not patient. Hell, that we're talking about whether or not Zach Taylor is going to come back next year, even though he's won four games and 27 attempts. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a definition of patience, if you ask me, right? So with Burrow, I think they will be patient. I also look at the Bengals, and they have a pretty good track record. I was talking with Jake the other day before we started recording They have a great track record of getting guys back from torn ACLs. Giovanni Bernard, he got back quick. I think it was like eight months he was back on the field. And 
I remember I covered that training camp where Gio was back on the field and he got hit by Vontez Perfect in practice and it led to a scuffle. But Giovanni Bernard's knee was was just fine. And, and so that's the key here is how long is it going to take? How much does that other damage affect it? We had Dr. Brandon Bowers on last week and it was you know, pretty significant, you know, nine to 12 months. And he didn't seem or sound too optimistic that you could exceed that, right? And beat that nine month window. And so that would line him up right at or right near the start of the 2021 regular season. But Wednesday was the first step, successful surgery. Dr. Elatrash did a, a wonderful job from all accounts, according to the Bengals. And hopefully that holds up. But the Bengals do have a game to play on Sunday, and there are plenty, and I mean plenty of injuries to go over. So let's dive into them. We're going to get to the Dolphins and their injuries, specifically to a tongue of Iloa in this podcast. But from a Bengals standpoint, the two that stand out the most are Alex Redman, who didn't practice for a second straight day on Thursday due to a concussion. So it doesn't look like he's going to clear protocol. Maybe that changes. Maybe he's limited Friday and he gets close enough. But it looks like we could be seeing either Xavier Suofilo at right guard, or you could move Quentin Spain to right guard and have Michael Jordan start the second-year guard at the left or on the left side. So we'll see if that happens. There's the significance there. And then the other one's Mike Thomas. And he's been limited all week, was limited on Wednesday and Thursday with a hamstring injury. But he was limited last week as well and didn't end up playing in the game. And he's their fourth wide receiver. And with Auden Tate out on injured reserve, obviously John Ross is on injured reserve. Mike Thomas is suddenly your safeguard because Alex Erickson's the, the fifth guy right now. And you like Mike Thomas. You like the, the quickness that he brings. And, and there's certainly a drop off there from Thomas to Erickson from an athletic standpoint. So I, I think that, you know, in an offensive standpoint. So I think that that's one worth watching. Look, I, I get it. We're talking about Mike Thomas and his importance. But if this team is going to pull off an upset and beat the Miami Dolphins on the road, they need all hands on deck, and they're not going to have Joe Mixon. They're not going to have Auden Tate. Uh, they're going to have Brandon Allen at quarterback. It's just it's really hard, and the margin of error is really thin already, and, and the thinnest it's been all season. So getting Mike Thomas in the lineup could be big for this team. Another guy that could return on Sunday, Darius Phillips. He was cleared to practice this week. He isn't on the active roster, but there's a 21-day window that was activated as of Wednesday in the third-year corner. Don't be shocked now. If Darius Phillips is on the field Sunday, and this could be huge. He's missed. He's been out since week eight. He suffered a groin injury and uh, hasn't been able to play. And they put him on injured reserve. Now he's he's working his way back. And if he can get back in the lineup, that means less LaShawn Sims. That would mean Mackenzie Alexander in the nickel. Phillips on one side. William Jackson the third on the other. That's about as good as you're going to get, right? And if... This team, again, if they're going to pull off an upset, they're going to need all hands on deck, you know, and maybe that is putting Darius Phillips back there on some punt returns, even though this is a take, I think, because of, of Bengals Twitter, but Alex Erickson's taking more heat than he deserves. He he almost put them in position and did put them in position to win the game last week. And I get it. He's a little tentative on punts right now, but he's quickly become this villain. And I get it. You're frustrated and, and angry, but... Alex Erickson hasn't really cost the Bengals much this year. I know he's made some mistakes. He had the fumble, things like that. I get it. But he's become a, a punching bag, and I don't know if that's necessarily fair. But, you know, you get a, a guy like Phillips back, and I think that that's certainly noteworthy. The other injury I wanted to talk about is Brandon Wilson. 
Brandon Wilson out again. He's dealing with a hamstring injury, and he didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday. That is concerning. And it's concerning because that was one of your ways that you could maybe not return a a kickoff for a touchdown, especially against a really good Miami special teams unit this week. But can you start your drive at the 40? You know, can he stretch it and, and do just enough, right? And that's that's a thing. And so hopefully he's able to, to practice in a limited capacity on Friday. It's funny. I mean, not funny, but he talked to the media on Wednesday. He talked to us. And, and usually when that happens, that means that a player isn't injured. And I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand what happened. I don't know if it was something that, that they let him talk to us just because, hey, he just set the franchise record for the longest play in team history or what it is. But uh, hopefully he's all right and can be out there because that's just another guy that one, and I mentioned this to Jake yesterday, I love to use him on offense. And two, even if you're not using him on offense, uh, the end arounds and stuff like that, which again, I would love to do. He, he's such a dynamic kick returner and someone you want on the field. Speaking of Jake, let's bring him in. Up next, Jake Lisko, my co-host here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. We have some thanks to give. We'll do that and dive into this game next, right here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's keep things rolling by welcoming him in. Jake Lisko is here. What's up? Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> that's, oh, how I, that's how I join my Zoom meetings. Hey, Jake, how's it going? Hello. Well, I mean, that's basically what we're doing here on Locked on Bengals as we record on Skype. Uh, let, let's start Let's start with Taylor and how important Sunday's game against Miami is for him because we're going to compare him to, to Brian Flores, and, and I think we should, and just how quick Miami has rebuilt their team and become a playoff contender this season when both of these teams were 0-7 last year. And now the Dolphins are 11.5-point favorites. And so... How big would this win be for you, Jay? Like, if they were able to win and just pull off the upset, does it change anything of how you view Zach Taylor in the future? I think it actually would be a step in the right direction. And this is something that I've kind of opened my mind to after we heard from Kyle yesterday. Kyle made a great point about, you know, you asked him the question, what was, what was the moment that you were sure Brian Flores was a coach. He's, he pointed to the late season win over the New England Patriots that nobody saw coming. I was shocked. I was shocked. It didn't really matter at that point, but it, it did essentially lock in the Bengals for the number one overall pick. So we were still paying a little bit of, of attention to Miami, I think. It, it, I think it was already very likely at that point, or maybe it was already decided. So maybe my memory is just bad. But the point was that, you know, he, he got a quality win down the stretch as, as things were going in the right direction. Things for Zach Taylor right now are not going in the right direction. Really, in, in any part of, of the game, maybe special teams is your, uh, your exception after you got a kickoff return touchdown from Brandon Wilson 
and uh, almost got a punt return touchdown to win the game last week from Alex Erickson. But the offense with Brandon Allen, not terribly functional. And I understand you're also missing Joe Mixon. That makes things hard. But if, if he does find a way to beat a very, very good defense in Miami, this is a, this is a solid football team. The offense is still finding its way, but they've got some solid players across the board and have obviously had very good results. This is a head coach that everyone believes, hey, Miami's going to be in it. The, the AFC East with Belichick, McDermott, and, and Flores, and whatever happens with the Jets at some point, maybe at some point, those poor Jets fans, I mean, they've almost got it as bad as us. But if you go in and you beat this good coach and this good team, it gives you the 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 spark or or the the light. And I was actually talking to Joe Goodberry about this the other day. And you know, the idea of if if he if he beats the Steelers after so say they win this week and they lose a game, whatever, they beat the Steelers on Monday night. Does that change does that change things? I mean, I think so for more people than this game, but but this game still should be taken for what it is, this is a good football team with a good coach. Yeah, and honestly, the Dolphins need it more. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Steelers come out and lay an egg on Monday night in a couple of weeks, especially if Kansas City stubs their toe again and Pittsburgh's still undefeated. Well, then they can afford to lose a game and drop one. This Miami team can't. There are a lot of AFC teams that are 8-3, and 7-4 and four in the thick of the playoff race, and they need to, to keep pace here. And I think that's, one, a challenge for them because they're young and they're where the Bengals hope to be next year, where they're proving themselves. And so, yeah, I think this would be a huge win. And that's why I haven't completely shut the door on things, because when I look at this coaching staff, they've had edges in the past. And usually it seems like they either get out coached or don't give the the boost what whatever that is from scheme to game plan to call play calling to manage whatever whatever it is depending on the scenario when the game's on the line they end up losing and that's why they're 113 and one and one score game since taking over and, and so flip that now win despite having a below average quarterback despite not having your star running back despite having issues on defense and in and, and your fourth wide receiver being out and things like that like Find a way, and and, and I, I think that that's it's much easier said than than done, and much easier, much harder than I'm making it sound. But if he wants a third season, I think it's reasonable to say, okay, Zach, well you're four twenty two and one, you're gonna have to win a game or two that you shouldn't down the stretch to show that you can get the most out of a group. Because let's be honest, he hasn't shown that. He inherited a six win team, and I get it. They they were trying to retool and rebuild and do things. Well, they won two games. This year they were supposed to win more than two games, and they're right back in the two-game spot, and it's because they blew games earlier in the year. Well, here, here's his chance to kind of make up for that or atone for it. I don't think it makes up for it, but atones for it, and it, it, and it could put Mike Brown and company in a position to say, okay, let's give him one more year and see. Not that I would necessarily do that, but I, I think he can still get to that point. But uh, Sunday would uh, win Sunday at least would be a, a big step forward. I think it would do a lot for Bengals fans. Now, I think I've said this a few times. Every time we talk about the Zach Taylor thing, for me, I don't see the Bengals moving on from Taylor right now. I'm not sure. I'm not as sure about the rest of the staff, but I think they're going to see 
that he got Burrow playing really well his rookie season. They're going to see their rookie quarterback that they went in on is is operating well with, with Zach Taylor, who is running the offense for the most part. And they're going to look at stuff like, like I was pointing out with the pressure rates. We talked about it yesterday on, on the Dolphins part of the, the crossover uh, that's on Locked on Dolphins if you want to check that out. We also talked to Kyle, by the way, just to tease this real quick. We talked to Kyle about what he would do for the Bengals in the draft. He also does some work for the draft network. So he's into the draft real deep. But anyway, where I was going with this was they're going to see things like, oh, Burrow was pressured a ton in the first five weeks of the season. And then you figured it out for five weeks. And yeah, he got hit. He, he got a, an unlucky shot. Maybe you see it that way. Maybe you do see, well, they did bench Mike Jordan. So, so maybe they are aware for the second time in his career that he is a problem and you know, they know that they have things to fix on the offensive line. Maybe you hope, you hope there's some self-awareness there. You hope they've improved with their ability to self-evaluate, but I think that ownership right now isn't done with Zach Taylor. They have always been patient with head coaches in the past and whether we as fans think that he should not have another chance or think that he should my perception right now, and until I start to hear otherwise or start to read between the lines that, that something else might be true, you might see some assistance change. You might. And I'll, I'll believe that when I see it too. I'm kind of there right now. I think it's more likely than Zach Taylor moving, but I think that's just where we are with this. And I just want to bring that up every time we talk about this. This is, this is James and Jake's opinions, I think. And unless you think the Bengals are primed to move on from Taylor. Is is that something that, that you believe right now? No, not right now. I also haven't ruled it out because I know if if they only finish with two wins for a second straight season and he's four twenty seven and one and you're coming out of a pandemic in twenty twenty one hoping to have fans in the stands and you might not have Joe Burrow healthy. And you're trying to sell fans on 427 and one. It doesn't take a rocket scientist, a brain surgeon, or an NFL owner to look at what the Cleveland Browns did when they brought Hugh Jackson back from one and 31. And it wasn't all Hugh's fault, and it's not all Zach's fault, but it's too far gone. And that would be the reality in my eyes. And, and because you're not going to be able to sell it, the team, you're, as in sell the team to fans and, and sell out tickets and all those things. And so, that matters. Mike Brown wanted to bring back Marvin Lewis after 2018. He knew he couldn't sell it to the fans anymore. So I think if if that part of it is is conveyed, then then yeah, I, I think he's he's out. But I don't think we're, we've reached that point yet, and I don't think the Bengals um, ownership has, and I, I don't even know if fans have yet uh, to a full degree. Obviously, Twitter is Twitter, but that's just Twitter. The, the reality is, is if they finish with four or five wins, even four wins, right? And they win a couple games without Burrow. Then it's like, all right, we're building momentum, one more offseason, and we'll hit the ground running here. Like, I think they can do that, but fair or not, I think Zach has to win a couple games down the stretch because I don't know how you would be able to sell 427-1. and And that just, I I cringe at that, Jake. I just cringe and shudder. And I, I think that's the most realistic outcome of these next five weeks. And that's what's hard for Taylor is in order to retain his job, we're asking him to do something that with with Brandon Allen, Ryan Finley, whoever the guy is from from the Browns, whose name I'm not going to learn, is going to be really hard. Yeah, I, I agree. But 
and this is the the other argument. These is these are Taylor's guys. Taylor wanted Ryan Finley. He didn't want a backup quarterback. He didn't want to bring one in. And, and I, I think if he wanted to bring one in, he, like, you know, let's say he wanted to go get Joe Flacco. I think they would have let him. And I think it was him wanting to to control the show and not having a veteran almost negatively impact Joe Burrow, right, or, or, or get in the way or mess with the culture he was trying to build with the young guys. I, I And I'm just speculating there. But he chose not to do that because there's no way he thought Ryan Finley was a better option than Joe Flacco or insert whoever else. I'm just naming him because he was available. Um, Jameis Winston. Right. So uh, I think uh, I think that that's that's just something worth uh, worth pointing out. Yeah, he doesn't have the, the ideal quarterback situation, but this is kind of the situation he wanted. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. I'll just point this out before we, we talk about the the football game. Because there is a football game happening on Sunday that we should, I guess, get into a little bit. Football. If if Taylor only makes it two seasons, the only coach in the history of the Cincinnati Bengals since 1968 who hasn't had at least two seasons with part of a third season is Homer Rice, who coached the Bengals in 1978 and 1979. Even Dick LeBeau got two seasons after he took over for Coslett, but... The closest comparison, I think, would be LeBeau, who only got two full seasons as head coach after he did take over for Bruce Coslett. So there is that little bit of precedent, but the Bengals, and I think I talked about this earlier in the week, have been historically extremely patient with head coaches. James, let's talk about this football game a little bit more to wrap up this week's episodes coming up next. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm Personal Price Plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. All right, James, the, the Bengals fly down to Miami. They're going to take on the Miami Dolphins. I think Tua was still limited on Thursday, which is the most recent injury report that we have. I, I don't know if we're going to see Tua or not. And if I'm the Dolphins, I, I don't even know if there's really pressure to play him outside of I think we talked to Kyle about this as well, the, the get right potential for Tua. But for the Bengals, on, on the Bengals side of the ball, sounds like Xavier Suofilo is is going to probably start this week. At least that's that's what I'm seeing. Maybe, maybe not. But I think the offensive line is something that we're watching. You know, we, we have to shift our attention down the draft order. We start watching T. Higgins a little bit, how he continues to produce or not produce with worse quarterback play. We start watching these linebackers a little bit more. James, you talked about Darius Phillips coming back. Maybe he is going to finish the year strong and, and somewhat mitigate the, the need that seems to be emerging at cornerback, depending on what happens with free agency. So 
What are what are you watching uh, most closely this weekend, James? The offensive line for one. I think Xavier Suofilo should, without a doubt, start at right guard, assuming Redmond isn't ready. And you know, it, it, I start him. You brought him in for a reason. He was going to start there anyways. Put him back there. See what he's got. I think he's 100%. I don't think there's any issues there. Put Spain at left guard. And then here's the key. Here's the key to Sunday. And this might be the key to the rest of the season and, and really the key to Zach Taylor finding a way. Last year, remember at the, the midway point, they adjusted the run game and, and the run game became really productive and people were excited about it. Well, the, the reality is, is if they're going to win with Brandon Allen at quarterback, especially against a Miami defense it's pretty damn good at getting against uh, getting after the passer they're gonna have to get the ball out of his hands and that means not throwing it 52 times like you would with joe burrow in this matchup running the ball and in running the ball and finding a way to run the ball and i think you have your best offensive line to do that i mean i guess you could argue redmond over suafilo but outside of that it, it's pretty ideal if you roll with those guys and it doesn't have to just be giovanni bernard you know samaj p ryan i'm fine do it you know, Travion Williams, go give these guys touches, try to be physical because if, if they get down, like if they get down 10, nothing, that might be it. And, and it doesn't really matter if it's Tua or Ryan Fitzpatrick, either one of those guys can manage the game. Fitzpatrick, probably a little more explosive at times. He has his good, good days and bad days, but I think running the ball is sort of the key here. The Dolphins are 30th in the league in rushing yards. In, in 32 in rushing yards per attempt. So they're worst in the league at yards per carry. Exploit that. Show you can adapt from this pass-heavy offense that you had with Burrow and flip it. And I get the offensive line isn't great, but it, it's better than what you've had, I think. I think it's ideal from that stand, standpoint. What do you think? I know running backs don't matter, but I, I really do. I think that this is kind of the blueprint. Make it ugly and try to win like the Browns have done eight times this season. I think that they the it comes down to the defense again and and the turnover stuff. Like when you're a bad football team, you don't have a margin for error. And so if you have Brandon Allen putting the ball on the ground or or throwing the ball to Xavier Howard, who has had incredible uh, pass breakup and interception production this year for Miami, that then you're in trouble. And and one way to do that, James, is is as you say, relying on the run game a little bit. The Dolphins don't necessarily have a great run defense, but they are generally well coached on the defensive side of the ball. And I I just think that the traditional ways of winning games are going to be very hard for this team. The, the Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick not necessarily terribly more efficient than the New York Giants with Daniel Jones on offense. The Jones-led Giants in that game were much more efficient than the Colt McCoy-led Vikings or Giants in that game. But that is something that if you're the if you're Lou Anarumo, you, you got to string some games together here because your offense is not going to be very functional. Even if you, I mean, yeah, maybe you get the running game going. But when the Bengals had their running game going last year and people were excited about it and Joe Mixon was happy and he was getting fed and he was getting carries, that wasn't resulting in wins. It, it just, it, they, they would need to get that going and, and shorten the game. And then on top of that, like get another special teams play. Although Brandon mm -hmm. Wilson won't be out there. So now you're asking for Alex Erickson to do it potentially. Or if, if Brandon Wilson doesn't come back from the hamstring, he's been limited two days in a row. You're asking for Jesse Bates to, to take the interception all the way back this time. You're asking 
Carl Lawson to to finish and get a strip sack or or Akeem Davis Gaither to come down with that interception. So if some of those plays happen, then you can start to think about, I think, winning a little bit more. And then if you are leaning on that run game or the short pass game or the screen game or whatever, make Brandon Allen's life easy with those things and then hope you get some something from from some other part, some wild card to, to tilt the thing in your favor. Yeah, and that's it. That's the reality. You're right, and that's that's the other thing here with Taylor. Coach like you have nothing to lose. Go for it on fourth and two. Uh, fake punt, bring those out if you need to. Sean Williams, clearly the, the fake punt specialist. And get creative. I, I always think, remember the, the first touchdown of Taylor's head coaching tenure with the Bengals? It was a trick play where it was like, wasn't it like a throwback? Passed to Andy, and then Andy threw it to Ross. That sounds familiar, yes. Against uh, no, Seattle? It was, it was uh, yeah, and he ran a little, I don't know what it's called. Like it's a, a wheel route wheel. almost or something? Yeah. And, but but it, it was a little trickery. And it was like, oh, that's refreshing. Well, well, damn it, Zach. Yeah, five weeks. Pour out all of those plays. I get you don't have the personnel, and I get you don't want to be too cute. But you're going to have to have a couple of those plays go your way if you're going to pull it off. And... That's how I think he should look at this is, is be really aggressive, really directed and, and just try to uh, try to out scheme and, and catch the, the opponent off guard. And I think you can do that, especially I get it. Miami is well coached, but they are a young team. They haven't been in this position and, and you, you can catch them off guard. And, and so might as well try. Can't hurt. So that, that's what I want. I want an ultra aggressive approach with a, a bunch of trick plays and stuff like that. That doesn't mean never punt. Obviously use logic. But uh, at the same time, be aggressive here and coach like you, you don't have anything to lose. Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he does start, historically is prone to being very Jekyll and Hyde-y in the last few weeks. Uh, last few starts for Fitzpatrick anyway. In week six against the Jets, he threw three touchdowns, had a couple picks. He came back off the bench in week 11 against Denver, uh, was okay, threw an interception against the Jets last week. He threw two touchdowns, completed 61% of his passes. The Jets are a very, very bad football team. And uh, not to say the Bengals are necessarily much better, but you do have some guys on that defense that have a nose for the football with the ball in the air. Fitzpatrick has had a couple of games this season against the Patriots in week one. He threw three picks. Against Seattle in week four, he threw two picks. Uh, Seattle in particular at that point in the season, not playing very well on defense. So I say all of this to give the people hope. Ryan Fitzmagic might magic a game to the Bengals here, but I really think that it's going to take those big, explosive wild card plays to do it. James, let's do it this week. We didn't do it last week. What's your game prediction? Oh, Jake. See all that hype, trick plays, let's be aggressive, let's... I just don't see it. I just don't see it, and, and I could be dead wrong uh, on Sunday at 4.30 or so when we sit down to record our post game. Heck, maybe I will, and we can hear you woo. Will you woo if the Bengals win this game? Uh, n- yeah, I think so. I think it's a wooable game. If they w- They're 11.5-point dogs. I That's- just can't get that excited about it <laughs> well think about it will you, you promise to think about wooing if they win 
I promise to think about it. I, I am. There's a lot to weigh on both sides. Like whether this team at this point in the year, you, and, and what you'll be wooing, James, is you're wooing Zach Taylor saying, you know what? I am the guy. That's what you would be celebrating. Sure. Sure. And, and maybe he can prove that. I don't think so. And that's why I'm taking the Dolphins 24 to 13. But if it happens, I think he should will. I'm not saying it's a bad thing for Zach Taylor to establish that he is the guy, especially because I think he will be back next year. So honestly, we should want to see as much as you can from him. So yes, James, I will think about it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We are back on Sunday after the game and Maybe we'll talk about the game a little bit uh, if we really have to. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.